Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is the week of Sunday, April 17th, Resurrection Sunday. Our gospel text for this week is from John chapter 20, starting in verse 1 and going through verse 18. Before the sun had risen on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene made a trip to the tomb where his body had been laid to rest. In the darkness, she discovered that the covering had been rolled away. She darted out of the garden to find Simon Peter and the dearly loved disciple to tell this startling news. Mary Magdalene said, They've taken the body of our Lord, and we cannot find him. Together they all departed for the tomb to see for themselves. They began to run, and Peter could not keep up. The beloved disciple arrived first, but did not go in. There was no corpse in the tomb, only linens and cloths that he was wrapped in. When Simon Peter finally arrived, he went into the tomb and observed the same. The cloth that had covered his face appeared to have been folded carefully and placed, not with the linens and clothes, but to the side. After Peter pointed this out, the other disciple, who had arrived long before Peter, also entered the tomb based on what he saw. Faith began to well up inside him. Before this moment, none of them had understood the scriptures and why he must be raised from the dead. Then they all went to their homes. Mary, however, stood outside the tomb, sobbing, crying, kneeling at its entrance. As she cried, two heavenly messengers appeared before her, sitting where Jesus' head and feet had been laid. They said, Dear woman, why are you weeping? Mary Magdalene said, They've taken away my Lord, and I cannot find him. After uttering these words, she turned to see, around to see Jesus standing before her, but she did not recognize him. And he said, Dear woman, why are you sobbing? Who is it that you're looking for? She still had no idea who it was before her. Thinking that he was a gardener, she muttered, Sir, if you are the one who carried him away, then tell me where he is, and I will retrieve him. And Jesus said, Mary. And then turning uh, to Jesus and speaking in Hebrew, she said, Rabbi, my teacher. And he said, Mary, you cannot hold on to me. I must rise above this world to be with my father, who is also your father, my God, who is also your God. Go tell this to all my brothers. Mary Magdalene obeyed and went directly to the disciples. Mary Magdalene, announcing to the disciples, said, I have seen the Lord, and this is what he has said to me, the word of the Lord. All right, it, it is the week of Easter Sunday, and uh, first of all, this, is, this story has become one of my favorite stories, I think, in, in all of the Bible. It's definitely my favorite Easter story. There's so much in this particular text. I know we've talked about it in Easter past, but uh, hopefully we'll have a good conversation. I know we'll have a good conversation on Sunday around uh, just the details and all the things that are in this particular narrative. I, I love it so much. I love Mary and Jesus's interaction. I love that Jesus is a gardener. Uh, but I hope to offer some thoughts in this podcast that we can uh, maybe take a couple of ideas and and use it for our conversation on Sunday, as always, Mission Hills. So um, it's important to maybe start here, that we first off recognize that resurrection is not about a one-time historical event. I know I've said this before, but it's important to remember on Easter Sunday, since we don't really talk about resurrection or the concept of resurrection, unfortunately, throughout the year, um, that we remember that we are not celebrating a one-time historical event, but an ongoing present reality that is that we get to experience as a part of creation. This is why we are invited to live lives transformed by the reality of the kingdom of God in which God is always transforming death into life. 
that is our proclamation, broadly speaking, as Christians, that God is always transforming death into life. This is the, the energy at the heart of everything that the Christian message is about. So in this, salvation is cultivating and preserving what is deeply good about all of creation. And this is what I want to talk about on Sunday, the uprising that is at the heart of everything. The scholar uh, John Dominic Crossan notes in his book on the resurrection that the English word for resurrection comes from the Greek word anastasis, which is better understood as uprising. And I love this framing of the resurrection as uprising because it, it reminds me that uh, an uprising is an ongoing collective act of liberation and revolution. And one aspect of Easter that I think, I think is often misunderstood in Western forms of Christianity is that we have a very individualistic nature of, well, all of life, but definitely the historical event of Christ's resurrection. Jesus uh, raises from the dead. This is what I often call in years past the celebration of Super Bowl Jesus, in which people gather at church on Sunday and praise what one man did thousands of years ago. Or as, as a recent church Instagram, Instagram post said, Easter is legit because a dude rose from the dead. I'm not making this up. That's what this church's Instagram account said, premiering their Easter service. So there are so many misunderstandings with traditional views of Easter that are actually not biblical. And we have to remember, there are no biblical accounts of the resurrection, right? There are no biblical accounts, only experiences with the resurrected Christ. So art throughout history, you've definitely seen it, has depicted the event of resurrection in several ways. But the Bible never describes the moment or the event of resurrection. Why? It's very interesting. Paul actually provides the first historical account of a resurrection experience. He's uh, presumably uh, experiencing his uh, resurrected experience with Christ in the mid-30s, and then writes about it, you know, 20-some-odd years later. And we can presume that when he writes about his experience with the resurrected Christ, he's writing, his writing predates the gospel, so we can presume that he doesn't know these stories that we're reading here, any of the gospel accounts of the, of the resurrection, uh, because he's, he's writing before they're even written. So uh, that's one kind of difficult thing that we don't really talk about all of that, that much in Christianity at church. Um, but he, like Mary, Paul, experiences a transformed Christ, not the historical Jesus. So uh, most Christians, I think, have an understanding that Jesus made himself rise from the dead. It's kind of like what that Instagram post was saying, that a dude rose from the dead. So a lot of Christians have this understanding that, misunderstanding, that Jesus made himself rise from the dead, that he just like sort of resuscitated his own body, which is supposed to prove his divinity. But remember, this understanding is not biblical or historical, because the general New Testament understanding is that God raised Jesus from the dead, and we even hear that in, in this particular story. So resurrection is not a self-generative act by one man, as if he like Frankensteined himself back to life. Uh, <laughs> it is, is God transforming death into life, and Jesus is raised from the dead, and if you're, you probably remember that Jesus takes many different post-resurrection forms. 
And here we just read about Jesus being a gardener. And Mary doesn't even recognize him. He is so transformed, his experience of transforming from death back into life, uh, that Mary doesn't, she doesn't even recognize him. It takes several times, it takes him actually saying her name for her to recognize him. So it's important to remember resurrection is not about, um, it's not individualistic. It's not about individual salvation for, I think it's oftentimes associated with a personal afterlife. So Jesus conquers death for um, uh, salvation into heaven. But resurrection encompasses the material reality of Jesus's day and the ongoing uh, act of God's liberation from the death-dealing systems of empire that executed Jesus to begin with. So salvation is God's action of cultivating and preserving the good, which continues today. So uh, maybe a, another way to think about it, the author of the Gospel of John earlier puts it right, for God so loved the world. It is communal, it is universal, and it is ongoing. Resurrection is an uprising at the heart of everything, and that is a present reality here and now. And we see this universal and communal nature of resurrection depicted in the art of the Eastern Church. In Crossan's book does an amazing job of kind of outlining the differences between the Western art of the resurrection and the Eastern art of the resurrection. I'll post some examples in the show notes, and then uh, we'll have slides on Sunday that we can kind of look at and talk about. But his book on Easter examines the way the Western tradition early on depicted the resurrection as a solitary event. You've probably seen Jesus kind of by himself floating in the clouds, but the Eastern tradition is really interesting. Jesus is always pulling people out of Hades, the, the place of the dead, uh, which is not hell, but he's, he's pulling Adam and Eve oftentimes, who symbolize um, the uprising uh, of humanity. And Crossan argues even further that the Eastern depiction, even though it comes later, of pulling humanity out of the place of the, of the dead would have been Paul's theological understanding as well. This art depicts resurrection that is universal, communal, and, and political. It's not, it's not just a historical event, uh, but it symbolizes God's liberating love for the entire universe. Our gospel traditions, as you know, are constantly speaking of this fundamental nature of reality that is present in Christ. This is rooted in the material salvation from systems of oppression like slavery and violence. What God is doing in the world is constantly transforming death into life. So if we think about the, the crucifixion of Jesus, the kingdom of Caesar, Rome brings death. But the resurrection says God is transforming that execution into new life. This is a message of liberation that is at, has been at the heart of all of our conversations this year as we've talked about all of the different ways that Jesus' life in the Gospels is dedicated to the internal and material liberation of those who are marginalized. And what the work like sc scholars like Crossan and so many others have done is show us that Jesus' message in life is the same in his death, that God's love is stronger than Rome or any other empire's instruments of death. The deep truth of Jesus' death and resurrection is that a life of resurrection is, is present to be experienced by all, 
And in our story, it begins with Mary in the garden. And this is why it's so easy for us to miss the power of the resurrection when we reduce it to whether or not it literally happened. And as Crossan notes, Paul would have actually understood it symbolically as universal and ongoing because he experienced the resurrected Christ. He wasn't concerned about whether it happened. He experienced the resurrected Christ. So, I mean, sure, there will be Christians and preachers around the world this weekend who will spend their energy trying to prove the historical event rather than talk about the ramifications of living a resurrected life. And although the, the resurrection event isn't included in any of our gospel texts, I'm not saying that the resurrection is not important. The significance is, is grounded in a deeper truth uh, experienced by uh, the religious communities of the gospels in the first century and their experience of the resurrected Christ. I mean, they were experiencing resurrected life, the kingdom of God in their midst, in these early gospel communities, as they're experiencing this, they're, they're understanding and embodying uh, the resurrection as an uprising against those same powers of death. It's, it's their declaration about the nature of reality being good, Christ-soaked, being worth preserving, rooted in, a, in an internal uprising for love and justice. It's saying that God's action in the world does not conquer like Caesar. God liberates. And so we recognize this today as a, as a universal reality, internally available in the experience of grace and liberation, and externally experienced in the presence of love and justice. Resurrection is an ongoing present reality in the universe. So I guess maybe a question for us is, how do we experience and affirm the resurrection. If the resurrection is about God's uh, universal and ongoing movement of liberation and salvation in the universe, then God is transforming our deaths into new life. God is pulling us from the pit. God is expressed in the act of liberation from the systems that rob human life and dignity. This is the kingdom of God here and now, present and available the Christian life and Easter celebration, they're not about some victorious battle cry of our God being stronger or better. It's, it's about the radical declaration, the nature of love. No empire can kill love. Love outlasts death. To love is to embrace a still and subversive power that is always available. Okay, as we wrap up, I want to briefly talk about this particular Easter story in the Gospel of John, which, like I said, is one of my favorite stories in all of the Gospels. Um, Mary in this story is so relatable and likable. She's heartbroken at the situation with Jesus being gone in the empty tomb. <laughs> I don't know what the disciples have going on or why the author of the Gospel of John keeps putting Peter on blast for being slow. I don't know what their deal is, but <laughs> they've got, they, the disciples are, are doing weird things in the story, but Mary is powerful in the story. And I think she's done what maybe many of us have experienced in similar situations. She remains, she grieves. Uh, it, her interactions in this 
story to me are so beautifully human. And her interaction with Jesus as a gardener is so rich. And I'm always fascinated by Jesus telling her not to hold on to him. And there are a couple of things that maybe are related to our conversation that I want to point out, and we can talk about it on Sunday. Now, she, she demonstrates so well that, that resurrected life is a firsthand experience. So like we said, Mary doesn't witness Jesus's resurrection, but she is experiencing resurrection herself. And so in her exchange with the gardener, uh, we remember that resurrection is transformation of death into life, not Jesus coming back to life. Uh, like we said, if, if he did, Mary would have recognized him. So she doesn't realize that it's Jesus until he says her name and he reminds her that she has to let go of him to move forward into a life of resurrection. I think much of Christianity turns Jesus into an idol of our devotion that's rooted in Western notions of a God who looks like us, acts like us, votes like us. But the Jesus of the resurrection insists that we do not hold on to him, that we do not create him in our own image, but that we let go of him and get on with the business of living lives that cultivate love and pursue justice. So the hope of resurrection is that God is pulling us from death to life. And in this, we join God in this way of cultivating a world in which all would be one in love. Again, for, for God so loved the world. And when resurrection is simply about this thing that Jesus did all by himself so that he could prove that he, he was the true God and that people can go to heaven if they really think that he did it or that this proves Christianity is superior to other religions or if it shows that if you think this right thing, that you're on team Jesus and so you're absolved to go conquer in his name, we lose all meaning in the resurrection. Not only does it lose its subversive power, but it lends itself to perpetuate the same injustice that Jesus lived and died to overcome. So resurrection is God's yes to life and no to the death-dealing systems that executed Jesus. It's no to empire. It's no to the U.S. military-industrial complex. It's no to our obsessive need to be right. No to our fear and our consumption and our greed. No to the gods that we create in our own image. No to the destructive voices in our heads. When we proclaim the resurrection, we say yes to a divine uprising in ourselves and in the world. We are saying yes to life, yes to forgiveness, yes to liberation and justice and love. Rohr writes, resurrection is about the whole of creation. It is about all of history. It is about every human who has ever lived, sinned, suffered, died, every animal that has lived and died a tortured death, every element that has changed from solid to liquid to ether over great expanses of time. It is about you. It is about me. It is about everything. So we don't know what the resurrection was like. 
but we do know that love transforms death into life. And so Jesus returns as a gardener, cultivating land patiently, gently. Someone said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It might be the smallest of all the seeds, but it grows into a tree and all the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So Mission Hills, may the divine mystery of resurrection continue to transform us, pulling us from death back into life so that we can take up our tools for cultivating and preserving God's good creation, always saying yes to another day, another opportunity for love and liberation and to the divine uprising over the powers of death. May we all be one in God's love. And as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well.